What number is this, Chip? Zilch 157, Christian Nesmith stops by to talk. Dolan sings Nesmith and so much more. <laughs> okay, don't, mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, man. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. I'm your host, Ken Mills. Today, we are joined by Christian Nesmith. It was recently announced that there's an album entitled Dolan Sings Nesmith that 7A Records is putting out. It was great to read about. This is from Rolling Stone magazine. I'm going to read some of that article. This was written by Andy Green. Check it out on rollingstone.com. Mickey Dolenz has signed a deal to record an album of cover songs written by his fellow monkey, Michael Nesmith. Dolenz sings Nesmith. Mickey says, I've always been a huge fan of his songs. He's just so prolific. For the past five decades, Nes penned songs like Listen to the Band and Papa Jean's Blues have been at the center of the monkeys' live shows. Mickey goes on to say, I think I first mentioned this idea to Nez years ago when we first got together for a tour with Peter Tork after Davy Jones passed. I don't know where the idea came from, maybe from my friend Harry Nielsen and his 1970 Randy Newman tribute LP, Nielsen Sings Newman. I thought to myself, wow, Dolan sings Nesmith. Rolling Stone says that the record will be produced by Nez's son, Christian Nesmith, with monkey manager historian Andrew Sandoval tackling A&R duties. The British label 7A, which specializes in monkey-related albums, is releasing it. Mickey Dolan says, slipping into a Marlon Brando accent, They're a nice little company that really do good work. They do their homework and do these real nice packages. And Mickey is so right. 7A always puts out fantastic material with fantastic packaging. It's just wonderful. It goes on to say on Rollingstone.com, the team plans on combing through Nesmith's entire catalog to find material for the LP, beginning with songs Nes wrote in his pre-fame days under the name Michael Blessing. Though his stint in the Monkees, when he generated classic tunes like You Told Me and Tapioca Tundra, to his groundbreaking country rock work with the first national band and the solo albums that followed. Mickey Dolans goes on to say, I'm staying back because I'm too close to the material and to Nez. I want Christian and Andrew to put their thinking caps on and pick some stuff because they know my voice. For me, that's the important thing. I'm approaching this as a singer, kind of like Frank Sinatra did when he approached recording. I said to them, guys, think of me as Frank Mickey the Monkey Sinatra. That said, Mickey Dolans does have some preliminary thoughts on what might work. He says... The 1971 First National Band song, The Grand Ennui, is one of my favorite Nez tunes ever, he says. That certainly would be on the top of my list, but I'm not sure I'd do different drum. How the heck are you going to do that after it's been recorded so many different times? Then there's Listen to the Band and Mary Mary. But I don't know how I do Mary Mary without just covering myself. It gets tricky. So check that article out and more at rollingstone.com. Today, Christian Nesmith is joining us, and I recorded this about 
25 days ago, and it's just been a rough time getting it to you, but here we are. As of this recording yesterday, Christian Nesmith posted a photo, and it said, Christian Nesmith is with Christopher Aulis. He writes, Spent this weekend tracking drums with Christopher Aulis. Best drum sounds I've ever gotten. Engineers hit me up for secrets. This record is going to be amazing. So without further ado or further ado, let's ring up Christian Nesmith on the Zilch Hotline. Hello. Joining us right now on the Zilch Hotline with the scoop is Christian Nesmith, producer. Hello. Wearing that producer hat once again. Well, actually, this is the first, uh, uh, if we're going to talk about this new record coming up, this is the first time in this situation that I've, uh, in this camp, should I say, that I've been uh, been a producer. So, uh, you know, I've mixed before and I've, uh, and I've certainly lended a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, creative input to these uh, other projects, such as the live record and certain things with Naz and, you know, but, but actual producer the shepherd of the whole project this first time and i was really pretty honored that uh that mickey thought thought to do it um i know that andrew sandoval actually uh uh sang my praises for it and uh, that was uh, nice of him to do so yeah it's gonna be fun and what are we talking about <laughs> well we are talking about dolan sings nesmith and this is one of the first times that we're actually kind of getting a, a peek into the thought process behind an album before it's made you know usually we're dealing with these things on the other side of it it's already done it's packaged it's ready to go here's the track listing i've been doing some work on it uh and uh, there's there's all kinds of uh little things that go into the making of a record uh and this one is in certainly interesting uh because we are actually having to curate uh the the material uh, deciding of the you know couple hundred songs there are to choose from, which you know twelve, fourteen, sixteen songs are going to wind up on the record. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a that's that's part of the process that's going on right now. And I know that a lot of people want to hear a lot of different things, but we don't want to uh, we don't want to uh, you know tip our hand. One, because uh, we, you know, we don't want anybody to be disappointed, right? And it's just like, you know, I wanted to hear blah blah blah, and I'm not even going to name names. <laughs> right. But uh, but uh, but the second part is, is that we want people to be pleasantly surprised. It's like, no way, they did that song, you know. So that's that's where it's at. But I will say that already I've been uh, fleshing out some demos of songs uh, for a chance to go over. And uh, hang out with uh, Mickey and Andrew because Andrew's kind of being our A&R in the classic sense of the word artist and repertoire uh, guy and uh, and hang out with him and, you know, kind of make the final call about, OK, we're digging the new approach of this song where we're liking let's find a new key. Let's you know, and, and once we get, you know, like I said, about 16 or so songs in the in the hopper, then I can then I can really start launching and use my new microphones okay yeah i saw that you got some new microphones the other day and they look great that's like porn for someone like me who's into recording and audio it's it was great how do they sound i mean this is you're, you're speaking well, into one right now so i am uh, but i want to ask you a question first is what uh, what microphone are you using 
Oh, believe it or not, I'm using, uh, this is going to throw you for a loop, but Amazon contacted me and asked me to try out some of their microphones. Yeah? This is an Amazon mic. Really? What's the call number on it? Uh, I yeah. honestly don't know because it, it's a, it's one of their Amazon basic lines, but mm-hmm. it really does good. It, it, it sounds pretty good. It yeah, it, pretty it good. doesn't pop. It doesn't do anything bad. It's uh, It's very nice. Well, for all you geeko recording nerds out there, uh, there's a company called Warm Audio, and they're one mm-hmm. of a few companies that are doing uh, essentially clone equipment. And it's not only microphones, but they do rack mount stuff and you know EQs and compressors and what have you. And uh, this uh, mic that I'm speaking on now is uh, a clone of the old Telefunken Neumann U47, not Telefunken. Ah. Neumann U47. Watch your language, Christian. That yeah, was, right. <laughs> that was made famous on the Frank Zappa album, Joe's Garage, by the way. The Telefunken U47. Hey, you'll hey. love it. <laughs> yes, I know it well. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Look, I'll buy you a pizza. <laughs> the boys in the crew have got a present for you. As monkey fans are turning off. But, you know, it all comes full circle. Cause, Why? Because Why would monkey fans turn off on Zappa? I don't know. It's a weird uh, fandom at times, right? Sometimes they're very specific. I have a picture just on, on the other side of this door of my dad and Zappa on that classic bit where they're there at each other. Uh, and it's great. And my dad's flipping the bird. And it's that, that classic picture. And I have that full frame on my door. You know, so it's great. That is awesome. And uh, he also, Frank also asked Mickey to play drums for the mothers at one point. So, well, that was. See, don't get me wrong. I have my opinions about Frank. And I think, I think Frank was kind of an aggro sort of guy. Um, he was super smart and he was mm-hmm. super talented. And I think that he also liked to sort of rub his talent in other people's faces and make fun of them, you know? Uh, and I think that that's what that move was. Um, I think a lot of people are not going to like me for saying that. And I don't, uh, but I don't, I don't much care. I think that there was a mean streak in Frank. And I think that that's, that particular example is akin to that. See, I always, I always took it as like he was working with Flo and Eddie, for example, somebody that the cool hip people wouldn't have normally worked with, but he did. You know, he found value in them, and I think that he also would have been able to use Mickey in some sort of form. Well, here's the thing: is and and Mickey's the first one to admit it is that he's he's an average drummer at best, mm-hmm. right? right? Um, uh, he, he's really figured out a way to just sort of get through the set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it, you know? Um, uh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, Flo and Eddie are, uh, top rate first, first rate singers. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, for Frank to call them up, they were, you know, he was, that wasn't a, as much of a joke as you think, or much of a right. sort of a nod to pop as you as you think those guys had the serious skills and demonstrated it you know when they were yes if you listen to the amount of stuff that they had to memorize and perform every night as as just a straight vocalist that was hard <laughs> i mean like really hard um and uh and, and you know i i could be you know starting to chew on my own foot here but i my main point was to to say that I think that, uh, uh, well, 
Maybe we should move on. <laughs> well, I always felt that Mickey was like, are you crazy, Frank? You know, because he knew Mickey knows his skill, right? You know what I mean? Yes. But it's still an honor one way or another, you know, to be even part of that whole scene. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Amazing times. Absolutely. And, you know, to uh, let, let's just call a spade a spade is, you know, Mickey's a singer. Mm-hmm. That's what Mickey is. Um, and uh, and. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this Dolan Sings Nesmith record is that uh, that he just wants to keep singing. And and uh, and I know that he was kicking around this uh, idea, God, almost from the first time, you know, just after Davey passed that 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 Nez started coming back into the uh, uh, into the circle. God, I mean, and what was that? This is going to be going on seven, eight years now that Mm -hmm. that that we've been on a. Uh, on and off on on various tours um and i think like right from the get-go mickey was kicking that idea around and i i always thought it was a great one and i always wanted to produce (laughs) so so it's it's all coming together yeah mickey would mention this in uh interviews every once in a while he'd just kind of float the idea and uh when he when he mentioned it on zilch we said yes this needs to happen so it's it's great to see this actually coming to fruition and you've got a fantastic record label behind it yes by fans for fans 7a in the house 7a is uh is uh, and to their credit they are this is their first real from the ground up record that they've uh that they've gone for um most of the other stuff that they've released has been previously recorded or just kind of you know mixed for the time but to to start a record from the ground up with nothing in the can um and for them to take the chance on that that's a that's a that's really cool of them to do that and and uh i don't know brave but but you know that's that that's a great thing that they're doing that um so um and and it's really interesting to uh go and find the new approaches as i said i've i've already been fleshing out some demos and uh because what we don't want to do is sound like you know plopping mickey on top of the first national band recordings like a karaoke version yeah Yeah. no 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 (laughs) um and it's it, it actually uh pushes a lot of interesting and strange buttons for me because as i pour over this material and, uh, and, and start finding songs that I think, uh, uh, one, uh, are standing, standing the test of time, uh, and two that are, that is a material suited toward Mickey and three that can be reimagined. Um, I'm also struck with the, with, with the, the feelings that I have been, you know, that I, that I heard these songs when I was a kid, you know, when mm-hmm. I was, I was there when he was, when he came home with the album of, uh, uh, I remember when he came home with the album to, uh, uh, with a photon wing, uh, and, uh, and playing it for us, you know, and hearing Rio and hearing Casablanca moonlight and hearing those songs. And, uh, and, uh, so I have those uh, those memories associated with this material, and so it's a, it's a little strange trying to go in and reimagine songs that you know might have been sort of a a swung country thing into sort of a straight pop thing or vice versa, and and uh, and that's that's really a, the, the biggest challenge for me. 
Well, you know, I realize that you're one of the few people on the planet that I can't say this to. You know, you, there's like the old uh, kind of, uh, you know, to coin a phrase kind of thing. This ain't your daddy's Nez music. But in, <laughs> in a sense, I can't say that to you because... In a matter of fact, it is. Uh, it is, yeah. <laughs> but even though it's necessarily not because it's going to be, like as you said, built from the ground up. So mm-hmm. this ain't your daddy's Nez's music. It doesn't work. That's why I got the new mics, by the way, because I wanted to really have some cool mics around for uh, for the uh, recording. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the pretty much the skinny and as much as I'm going to talk about unless you have some other sort of questions into the process i don't want to uh, give away the material and no. nothing's going to, nothing's going to uh to uh leak out there beforehand we're just gonna we're just gonna drop it on you when it's ready to go and this will not be a social distance album mickey's gonna have to come up <laughs> and record with you well okay if we're gonna go that air, it, there yeah, <laughs> um, i do know that you know mickey mickey lives about uh, eight ten miles from me mm-hmm and uh, you know, as as this record started to uh, come about, uh, we talked a lot on the phone, and so I do know that Mickey is being extremely careful about being uh, uh, safe. Um, and uh, you know, he didn't go anywhere, and and I'm the same way. I am I'm I'm here in my in my apartment, and uh, and I'm kind of going nuts. <laughs> how, how are you doing, by the way? I'm doing okay. Trying to uh, keep it going. Uh, hopefully, we're bringing somebody a smile today, right? So, so that's well, a that's a good reason to do things. Uh, but 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 the good thing is is that you will have a. Uh, glass between you guys. He'll be in the recording, and you'll be manning the boards. So, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. We might just do my uh, in my apartment. Uh, well, there you go. As long as we have the opportunity to talk about what uh, uh, our current climate, um, you know, I want to I want to encourage uh, the listeners, and I, maybe even some of your listeners have t- tuned into uh, some of Cersei and uh, my and Cersei's. Uh, streaming shows, uh, which are coming back, I promise. Fantastic. And the the main message is to, in whatever way you can, uh, stay connected. Um, it's easy to go a little bonkers um, uh, in this day and age, and and it's easy it's easy even to uh, uh, push back in a way that might even be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, ah, screw that. I'm going to go out and just like, you know, it's not going to, you know, no, 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 no. Just ride it out. It's going to be okay. We're all here for each other. Um, uh, you know, our, our humanity has survived uh, things so much worse than what we're going through now. And we survived them and we all came out, you know, there have been plagues before there have been pandemics before there have been. And, you know, and so to walk around thinking that you may not walk around free ever again is crazy. Don't think that that's not true. It's we will be everything will return to normal. But it's important that we uh, that we keep our heads throughout this. It's a it's real easy to get uh to let that in, misinformation that is so pumping out there right now uh, to to spin you out and go and, and make you go and, and say and do 
stupid things. Don't do stupid things. Keep your head. Be smart. Be safe. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, it's easy for me because most of my heroes have worn masks. I'm a big comic book fan, so you know, <laughs> it all works out. This, in some ways, is a is a is a dream world for me. I can get masked up and go out and fight crime. So life is beautiful. Uh, Are you doing it? <laughs> occasionally, <laughs> I suit up. The old Ken suit, Ken man, you know, that sort of a thing. But, uh, man. yeah, I, I go up and sit on top of cities and hang out with the gargoyles and just watch the sun go down. It's really cool. But, uh, <laughs> See, the thing is, I know you and I have visions of that now. <laughs> <laughs> and just a quick note you can get a zilch face mask, by the way. So, okay. Okay. Well, if you don't have them, people get one. That's right. So there you go. We've even got ones with the M for the monkey men suits on them. So, so that's great. yeah. So there you go. But be safe and love one another and care for one another. That's that's never bad advice, no matter what's going on. But even so, even more so right now. Now Mickey has talked about how he's leaving the song choices basically to you and Andrew. You guys are kind of going to be uh-huh. curating this and choosing and what are you looking for out of a song that when you think of mickey dolan's this is what i think would work for mickey what's your general idea well that of all the processes that that are going to be uh uh, occurring during the making of this record that this is the most difficult this is the, the the curation of it and i am looking for you know, we we know that uh, Nez's writing can get very philosophical, very metaphysical. Um, and when the artists themselves deliver that, the person who wrote it, those kinds of long, flowing, almost prosy lyrics um, uh, f- are fine because that's what the that's what the original songwriter intended to say, and now they're performing it, and then, so that's that's the original art. Um, but what I'm what I'm trying to find is something that's a little more on uh, God, you know, and and this sounds so trite, but I'm, it's not meant to be. It's it is hooky, you know. I'm trying to I'm trying to go with songs that have have a little bit more uh, of a user friendly melody, uh, maybe even a really strong chorus, things like that, um, and uh, also, um, you know, we also have to see if. If uh, Nez's decidedly country delivery on some of these songs can be converted into Mickey's more straight rock, straight pop sort of delivery. And that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the great things about Mickey is that he is able to inhabit a song or act it out, if you will. There's been almost nothing that's been thrown at him over the years that he cannot somehow, like a chameleon, become part of that song. Similar to Robin Zander. Interesting. That's an interesting comparison. Okay. Uh Two men who have been able to keep their voice, in a sense. They've been able to pretty much be the same consistent sound over their entire career, you know. Yeah, well, uh, here's just just by way of example, um, and we did, haven't talked about the, uh, the Mike and Mickey live record, and this might be a segue, but uh, Mickey sings all the songs in the original key. Yes, all of them. And and to to his credit, Nez does too, except for one song, and that's and so you know, these guys' voices have stood the test of time, and uh, and I would say that's certainly. Uh, 
the case with Robin Zander as well, who is Robin Zander is in my is in my top five male rock and roll singers. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about this last time. Yeah, well, it'll it'll probably come up every time we talk at some (laughs) point. No, not Robin Zander, but top five male rock and roll vocalists. Yeah, but we we love uh, Robin Zander and his work with Cheap Trick and out of Cheap Trick. Everything the guy does, he's just fantastic. But Mickey, to me, holds up like Robin Zander does. And there's not many singers that you can say that from like 1967 to 2020. There's not many. No, you sure can't. Um, but you you made another uh, uh, observation. You used that he uh, got. What did you say? He acts them out. What did you say? He either inhabits or 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 can act. You know, it comes from a place where he can like like a chameleon. He can be this kind of guy. Can be that yeah. kind of guy. So yeah. And 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 that's interesting that you that you that you frame it that way because uh, one of the things that uh, Mickey and I talk about just socially all the time is musical theater. Mm -hmm. I don't know if your folks out there know this. I have been the musical director of four separate productions of Hair. Mm -hmm. And including the first ever production of Hair in Russia (laughs) in 1999. And let me tell you, that's a story. And I've done some other things with musical theater, but uh, that particular piece, Hair, not Hairspray, but Hair is an amazing journey for anybody involved. And I would say that if anybody, uh, particularly your young, younger listeners, if you have a production of hair that is going up, try out. Cause you could probably just wind up being in, in the tribe, in the chorus. Um, and it's a blast. It's so much fun. And if people are doing it right, it's, it's an incredible journey. Um, anyway, that, that exposed me to the, uh, the crossing of, uh, of of rock and roll with bringing theater the theater to it well but i was going to say more acting yes and i think i've always been a fan of that i mean i've always been a, a fan of uh, of of musicals anyway you know and so to see that put in a rock and roll context uh that was really eye opening for me and then and and that happened you know right at the I did one in 2007, but mo- the other three were just before 2000. Uh, and uh, and so, you know, Mick, Mickey having done done Broadway and several musical m- productions, um, we relate on that on that uh, level because he's uh, because he understands about not only bringing the character, but also manipulating his voice to meet that character Um Finding how to uh, uh, how to how to get inside the melody in such a way that it supports the emotion that is trying to be delivered at the time. Mm-hmm. So for you to 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 to, to cross connect those uh, cross reference those those two uh, uh, those two uh, think uh, ways of thinking is spot on. Well, thank you. I, I occasionally I get something right. Now, uh, uh, <laughs> a lot of people, sadly, there's it's a lot fine of mon- for self-effacing. <laughs> Let's be self-effacing. I'm no good, but you think I'm good, so it's okay. But I'm really no good. No, okay, sorry. It, you know, I'm 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 a, I'm a walking disaster, but I'm the best one you'll find. Right? So <laughs> you know, there's there's those two. Uh, bits of my ego going on there so but a lot of monkeys fans sadly do not follow the monkeys 
individually. And by that, I mean they want that brand name. They want that logo, right? Like if they go to the Rib Fest, they want to see sticks on the T-shirt, right? They need to see the monkey's logo. And there was there were some people complaining instantly as soon as this happened. Well, why not just call it a monkey's album? And there's, you know, so many reasons. That- it is not a monkey's album. It is a... Exactly. It is a Mickey Dolan solo record, and the material he's chosen to do for this record is all penned by Michael Nesmith. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's how it goes. I just shrugged my shoulders thinking that I was on camera. I'm so used to being on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you cannot make facial gestures and get your point across. Christian. That's right. That's right. You know, some of Mickey's solo work has been a mixed bag, and I think he would tell you that, too. I think all the guys that were in the project known as the monkeys had various expectations and some things they just did because they had to. And uh, sometimes things would be like, okay, here's the albums come in and sing vocally on it. And that was the extent of it. Right. Yeah. But Mickey's put out some great stuff. Like for example, his last solo album, remember was fantastic. It was, it really was. And you know why that record was so fantastic is uh, because the songs were put forward in such a wonderful and new light. And I don't remember the producer's name, but he did a fantastic job. Um, uh, the, the record sounds great and it's got a great, uh, 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 and each one of the songs has got a new approach from the original that really showcases Mix, M- Mickey and allows him to go into do, uh, into the place that is going to be the most favorable to his vocal styling. Yeah, it, I completely agree with you. And it is it is because that record is so good that I really feel, uh, you know, that the, the, the fire is to my feet. I got I to gotta hit the, that kind of mark. Yeah, it's uh, Remember is a really, really good record. You're right. It's absolutely fantastic. And it's, it's something that if you haven't heard a Mickey Dolan's album before this happens... This might be the time to kind of, you know, seek this one out. It's very highly recommended. And Mickey Mickey loved it. He did a lot of press for it at the time. Yeah. And sadly, it just didn't take off as good as we hoped that it would have. But it's such a fantastic album. And I know that the, the just the people going into this, A, we've got 7A, you've got Ian Lee and Glenn Gretlin, we've got you on the producing board, we've got Andrew Sandoval help curating everything and being the A&R man, and then Mickey Dolenz. So then that leaves me with... Uh, and the, Michael Nesmith material. <laughs> yes, and Michael Nesmith material. But that leaves me with the question marks, and that's who's going to play on this thing? Are we going to get Coco on background vocals? Are we going to get Cersei on background vocals? Are we? Oh, we definitely want to include uh, uh, many of the musicians that run in our circle. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, Lord knows, I love to build walls of background vocals. So um, you know, uh, there will be certainly uh, opportunities to do that. And uh, um, but at the same time, because I play so many instruments and. I want to keep you know keep the budget down and keep keep moving forward, and uh, it's easy it's easier to just keep rolling when I've got the idea. I can just pick up the guitar, I can just pick up the bass, I can drop a keyboard part down. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I have I have visions for certain songs where I want to definitely bring in some real strong ringers. I also think that it it it, it would probably be appropriate, though nothing's been decided yet, to have pedal steel. 
uh, here and there mm. on the screen. I think that that uh, that that facet of red being in Nez's life for so long certainly influenced Nez's writing. I think that knowing that he could take some of those songs into the studio and have red decorate them was a big deal about it. So I think we should definitely nod to that, but whatever is best for the song. But yes, you're right. Uh, we will be bringing in certain ringers. I don't know. You know, it's the best guy for the jobs. For instance, I can kind of do some more, some meat and potatoes keyboards, but for some really incredible piano work or organ work and stuff, you know, I'm going to bring in a guy, you know, a guy. And I've got a few things like that. And yes, I would love to build a wall of Coco and Cersei of, uh, of, of doing oohs and ahs here and there. Um, <laughs> I also think that, uh, that I'd like to, uh, to experiment here and there with, uh, Mickey building a wall of vocals for himself. You know, I I think it's not to too many people anymore, but to some people the the recording process is a mystery and the fact that we have the technology that allows me to record a track and then play along with that track as many times as I like on different instruments or many vocals in a row, they uh, people don't understand that somebody could build an entire choir themselves. Mhm. But probably the most famous example is Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, the beginning, not the middle part, not the, the operatic part, the, but the is this the real life part. That's all Freddie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I believe it's four part tripled. So there's 12 Freddie Mercury's singing that opening to Bohemian Rhapsody. And so I want to do that with Mickey. On here, here and there, I, I'm already seeing sort of places where that could be really fun, and so I'm uh, I, I got those plans. So it's all kinds of stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I want some, I want real drums, so we're gonna have to do that. You know, there's, there's no way we cannot do that in an actual studio. So you know, in these times, we've got to be careful and paying attention, and and but we still got to go set up drums and record for a couple of days. So that's. That's a, those are all parts of the, of the world we live in. But, uh, I'm again, right now we haven't even locked what songs are or are not going to be on the record. And until that happens, I, I have no real clear road. And as far as just a logistical path in front of me. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned, uh, layering Mickey upon Mickey, right? Yep. Mickey's not a stranger to that. Uh, I know it. As a matter of fact, on the album that we mentioned earlier off of Remember, I'm going to play a little bit of Do Not Ask for Love, which is I Prithee Thee, off of Mickey Dolan's 2012 album Remember, something every Monkees fan should own. We recommend it highly. Here is Do Not Ask for Love, with several Mickeys singing Take It Away Mickey. Ooh. And is it so once more Thou art returning Hast thou lost thy way As once before I warn thee more than many times How I warn thee How I more than warn thee I shall not be thy refuge once not be thy, not be thy 
sample of mickey right, in the studio right. doing it so we know that that's going to be fantastic uh looking forward to that as well mickey is very much like me in uh, in that he likes to be produced mm-hmm. he likes uh he likes direction that's why he likes musical theater man tell me what to do man and i'm gonna go out there and kill it um and i'm uh, uh, of all the session work that I that I have done, you know, I've played on hundreds of commercials, and and during those times, I I really enjoyed when the producer of that particular session would say, "Look, I'm looking for a David Gilmore thing or a Marilyn Manson thing, whatever it was," and I said, "Okay, that I great, got it." And so to I know that Mickey has that same sort of enthusiasm in his work ethic when, when he says, when we said, okay, I've, I've got a, I've got a vision and just sit there. Okay. Now sing C. Okay. Sing E flat, you know, <laughs> but okay. And that's, so I, I'm, I have a feeling that we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. Well, I think this is fantastic that this is happening because, you know, I, I'm a little scared for road dogs. Like, you know, we mentioned cheap trick earlier. I'm, I'm a little mm. scared for road dogs like Mickey Dolan's and cheap trick and things like that. It's the old saying of, you know, about a shark. Once it quit, stops swimming, it, it dies. Right. <laughs> and you're thinking, what's Mickey doing at home? You know, he's, yeah. uh, there's only so much gardening you can do and only so, so Mickey's used to being, on the road creating things and being and being mickey right so he's he's being mickey but this is going to be great i know that he is uh doing his woodworking with his daughter um uh, and i know that uh that he's he's actively staying busy and i think he's also doing some sort of uh philanthropic guest work here and there uh -hmm. i can't speak for what his what he actually is doing um but i know that he's staying busy um and uh and uh oh boy but you have really hit on something and i and i agree with it i think that it's uh it's very tough we've got to stay busy and i think that's that's true for for anybody you know Mm -hmm. even even people who are do who do their sort of work a day world nine to five thing who have been uh tragically removed from that um They've got to do something to stay stay busy because even that daily drive to work and drive home and and that activity that has filled their days every day and and in some cases it might might even be mundane, it's still activity, you know. Mm -hmm. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying before about staying uh, staying smart and staying safe is is. We've got to stay stay busy too, um, because this idleness it allows screwed up thoughts into our head. <laughs> right, right. I, I got to tell you, I'm a terrible inner dialoguer. 
You know, I will I will just start a, a, a dialogue in my mind with somebody who's not there. <laughs> And just go on having having a discussion or an argument with them, and that's that that usually happens with me late at night, and it's when I'm not doing anything. And I'm like, look at what you're doing, dude. And so to have days, weeks, months, just sitting there twiddling your thumbs because because they closed the factory or because you're 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 not a frontliner, uh, do something. Yeah. And also on on that recommendation, Zoom or Skype or or FaceTime look at people's faces actually mm. have live contact with other people it is so helpful and then the last thing i would recommend um is that if you do know but anybody who is adhering to the same uh safety regimen that you are get together with them mm-hmm. my uh my uh my brother Jonathan and I uh, and and our two gals, Susan and Cersei, uh, 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 make a habit of getting together once a week because he's pretty much indoors all the time. We're indoors all the time. And so we trust each other's safety regimen. And so uh, we get together. You kind of have a safety bubble. Yeah. And but but that allows him or us to go to each other's houses because he just lives up the road from me. And have dinner and hug and looking and you know and hang out and laugh in each other's presence. It's so therapeutic. I am not condoning being unsafe for that result. I'm, I, I'm safety first. But if you can find somebody who you love, uh, your best friend or your or or your relative or somebody that you can go and visit once a week in a safe environment, but you can actually reach out and give them a hug, it's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I, I I strongly suggest people go and do that. So yes, all right. It's it's weird. There was um, I read this is off the subject. So listeners, just bear bear with me. Oh, whatever. Bear, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Bear hug. You know all that. So you know someone was talking about podcasting. How it's it's a weird thing that's happening right now because some people are not listening to podcasts because they're. drive to work is gone now right or they don't have time to you know just take 90 minutes out of their day and listen to something on the other hand there's a bunch of people are saying wow i just binged the entire zilch run and it's like you need therapy now (laughs) (laughs) sure 157 episodes of zilch i love you yeah nice so it's a weird little thing where you know it's great seeing all the uh the artists, musicians and people doing whether it's a Facebook live or a YouTube clip or something but it's great all this content that's coming out. But you're right, it's important to not only find the humanity in things but the beauty in things as well because it's such a beautiful world and I know that every time I see a Cersei, there's beauty, then number 2 when she bakes the bread, hello. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to keto and you guys I'm like I'm ready to chew my arm off you know yeah, that's some I'm good sorry. stuff I'm sorry that's that is her forte <laughs> that's where she's at she's fantastic and I love her we all do also that she oh. is fantastic I love her too um yes. so uh, much you even married her I yeah, I did marry her in <laughs> fact um I think part of the the point that I'm trying to make though is is, is fill the void mm-hmm when we become idle, we can allow these real negative thoughts. Um, and if I might just 
I don't want to get too deep into it, but if I just might wax political, we are under uh, under the barrage of m- more misinformation and more propagandized memes and themes and 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 all kinds of information. And uh, you know, it's not a mystery that we have this this outbreak of believers in conspiracy theory right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's own it's no I mean have we ever seen an outbreak of cons- conspiracy theory when there wasn't a pandemic like this when people weren't sitting at home afraid uh unsure uh looking for somebody to blame um and so and and so we've got this this vacuum in our heads because we're idle and we're alone. And the fear feeds it. The fear feeds it. The fear feeds it. And we've got to stay vigilant against that kind of stuff. You know, um, to, to, um, to, to hear people going off on lizard people and, and you know, pedophile rings and stuff. And I am, I'm not saying there's not bad stuff out there. But what I am saying is that you guys are going crazy. Please stop doing that. It's not true. Okay, and you're you're allowing and though I believe that humanity is inherently good uh, and that's something we definitely need to uh, to hold on to. There are always a few bad apples and those bad apples will prey upon your fear. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they know you're afraid. You know, there's there's there. You know, they know that if you if they say to you the other conspiracy uh, all those kinds of things that's easy. This person is, is, the, is the cause of your woes. Then you're going to go, yeah, man, only because you're just not thinking. And please, please just think, people. Just think, and, 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 and it's going to be okay. Don't be afraid. Reach out to your, to your fellow man and believe, that, believe in the notion that humanity is inherently good. And stay busy. Stay, do something. Don't watch. Don't keep scrolling through Facebook. Right. Turn not, that off occasionally. Not, Listen to some music. Oh yeah. Get some sun. Make some music. If you ever, if you've always wanted to learn how to play guitar, now's the time. Now's the time. Order yourself a, a cheap hundred and fifty dollar guitar off of Amazon and start sinking into guitar lessons on you. I give guitar lessons. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a lesson over Skype or Zoom, you know, and, uh, you know, if you ever always wanted to cook, if you always wanted to needlepoint, if you always, you know. Now's the time. Now's the time. Do it. Why not? Um, but don't leave a vacuum in your head because that's the time when the most insidious and fearful and ugly thoughts can sneak into there. And I know it's not these people's uh, natural way to be. Right, right. I've I've sat there and I've watched a few. Of these. I, I mean, there was a gal that I watched that, that on Facebook. Uh, I don't really see her personally anymore, but I've known her since I was, you know, 17 years old. And I know her to be a, 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 a good, sweet, decent human being. And she just jumped off the conspiracy theory cliff, went bananas. And I tried to tell her, hey, honey, you, this is not true. Yes, it is. I just saw the video. Okay, okay, okay. People are going crazy. You've got to safeguard against that. Okay, that was my P, uh, PSA for there, for the moment. <laughs> that was Life Coach with Christian Nesmith and Ken Mills. Thank you. There, there we go. go. We did it. Uh, but 
but we always preach love. Mm-hmm. Everything we do is about love, so love one another. It's it's not that difficult. It's only as difficult as you make it. So so let's let's love one another. Well, be loving does not necessarily mean being passive. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Put that one out. There. Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. Matter of fact, sometimes it takes more strength to love than anything else. So there we go. There's a song somewhere out there that says, "We are born to love one another." Yeah. I seem to remember that. It's somewhere, somewhere. Yeah, yeah okay. somewhere, somewhere. You know, speaking of things I love, you helped produce a fantastic album not too long ago. Something that's helped me get through this time, Mike and Mickey Live. The the live album that you did, it's just fantastic. You did a great job mixing that. Let's talk about that a little bit. How did your involvement with that come to be? Well, it's funny that the last three things that I did for Nez was mixing live stuff. It was uh, originally uh, the Movies of the Mind record, and then we did Mike and Mickey, which I only only mastered, but the Cosmic Partners, uh, which is live at McCabe stuff. And so I've been familiar with uh, working with uh, that material live. So Mike and Mickey was, you know, a joy to do. I I I love mixing. I wouldn't say I'm the best at it. Uh, there's certainly people who who have. Uh, better insights into sorting out uh, frequencies than I do. But I always, uh, uh, the comment that I get the most about uh, about the Mike and Mickey record is how big it sounds. Mm-hmm. And, and this was something that I actually sort of championed, fought for um, while being on the road. Um, I was listening back to some of the... Uh, some of the uh, recordings that were coming back from some of our first tours. And yes, I know they were recorded on, on an, on a, on an iPhone, but I'm a professional musician. I'm an engineer. I know what I'm listening to. And, uh, and what I could hear is that the band was teeny, teeny tiny and the vocals were way out front. And so it sounded small. Um, and, and I said, these songs, we were up there pounding. We were up there rocking. And I've got and, and I've got this mix in my head when I'm standing on stage, whether it be my headphones or my monitors, uh, mm-hmm. that sounds roaring. I mean, it just sounds muscle bound and killing. Um, and uh, and and then I hear these mixes coming back from the house. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Um, and so I would I was approaching uh, the guys and and Andrew and Wayne and I'm saying, you can get bigger than this. You can have a big sounding band that supports these songs without dwarfing the vocals, mm-hmm. you know, not to mention 
everybody in the room knows the vocals. So if there's if the vocals are, are sunk in just a little bit to make the band sound bigger, it's going to be fine. It's uh, they're all going to sing along. They know the tune. It's all great. And thankfully, they, they, they those guys started adopting that. And and I I believe I'm well. Ken, you've been going to the shows since since uh, uh, since I I've been playing in the band. Mm-hmm. And uh, would you say that you noticed a difference of a largerness of <laughs> that's a word. Uh, as a sonic impact when you're sitting in the house from seven years ago to last year? Well, this is going to sound really weird. It wasn't so much what you could hear, but it was what you could feel. And I'm not talking about like just bass being louder. I'm not talking about that. But there was, uh, you could definitely tell that there was more presence. Mm -hmm. Is that the, I mean, to me, that seems like the thing. Like, for example, on this album, and I've went on and on about John Billings' bass playing, and it's not that uh, the bass wasn't great yeah. on the original tracks, you know, but we heard the bass in a way that we kind of heard on the original tracks. Yeah, yeah. But we felt it, you know, so it, like, John, like, who is a rock star and kick-ass and everything, yeah. you know, not taking away for anything from him or Rich or Alex or anybody, Wayne, anybody. But it just really amplified it. The presence was there. So you actually not only heard it, but you felt it with, with, without over-modulating, I might add, because that's the other side of that, so... I don't understand what you're what the term overmodulating means. Well, like for example, some people think uh, just turn everything up. No, it's not as simple as that, you know, because That's then not. it it's just becomes music you can't hear anymore. Right. Are you talking about everything is louder than everything else? Yes. <laughs> so it's almost like when I heard this album, Mike and Mickey show live. Uh -huh. One of the first people I spoke to was you. Remember? Yeah. I called you up and I said, "Hey." I love that this album is not brickwalled. That was the first thing I said to you. Remember that? Well, it's it's pretty compressed. <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah, but it but it's not like you know Metallica's Death Magnetic or something. You know what I mean? And... Well, they just screwed that up. They, right, right. Not only did they they brickwall it, they distorted it, and they you know they lost sight of what's going on. Uh, to all of those observations, well, presence for for those of us who who play guitar, presence and 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 engineer, for those of who 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 deal with gear, presence is usually a, a knob that is turned that affects the high end. It's the real super super highs. Mm -hmm. um, so when you say, uh, I understand what you mean when you say presence, uh, and but you co you also say feel it. What mm -hmm. you're reacting to is the bass and the kick drum. Mm -hmm. And though those early songs uh, or those those original recordings are enjoyable, they've got no low end. They got no drums. They got I mean everything is just just buried. And it it it, it was the style at the time. Uh, those recordings were for me decidedly unimpactful when it came it came to the sonics uh and again i knew standing on stage when i you know when i get my mix because they go around and they ask everybody on stage what they want to hear and so when i get my mix i just 
tons of bass guitar, tons of John Billings. And so I knew what he was playing up there all the, all the time. And I knew that they were great lines and it was really, really fun. It also, you know, bass is the, uh, is the one area of the frequency that you can, you can feel, you feel it gut, you feel it in your butt, you feel it uh, in your whole body. And I wanted people who listen to this record to have the same experience that I do when I'm when I'm up there on stage. And hopefully that our live mixes for the audience have sort of shifted toward. And the response has been amazing. I mean, I've been I've been getting so many people just sending me messages uh, about how much they love the mix. That makes me feel all warm and fuzzy because I worked very, very hard at that mix. That was, you know, when you've got 10, 11 people standing on stage and you've got to get everything heard, but you've got to, you've got to make sacrifices here and there. You've also got to get the vocals clear uh, over, over the drums. And you've also got to take into account when you're, when your singer steps away and, you know, as in every live performance, there are, you know, a couple of clunkers here and there. And so you got to decide how you want, you know, which ones you're going to let go and which ones you want to fix. And, and, uh, and I will say on the record, the least repaired human being on that stage, John Billings. So there you go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I think on that whole album, I think I did two repairs and uh and the and what i usually do when i'm repairing uh a, a live performance is i try to borrow from another part of the song so uh you know you just slice out a little piece because it's usually just like one little clunker here and there mm-hmm. um so you just grab a note from later on the song and just paste it over that one spot and uh and that's that was that's what I did with John, but I think it happened, and I don't even remember where it was. It was so insignificant that that I had to do that. There is no instrument that suffers for another instrument in that mix. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of times when you hear a live album, especially, some things tend to get lost or overshadowed. Not not so much with this album, not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, another thing you and I spoke about upon me hearing it and me talking to you was this is uh gonna be up there as far as i'm concerned with like cheap trick live at budokan you know that sort of a thing to where the experience is the thing kiss alive where it's almost like this is the event it's it you know sergeant pepper's lonely lonely hearts club band is that way in a sense where yeah they're setting up and now here's the story you know and you kind of get that same feeling I had oh. to do it. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but the the Mike and Mickey show live, it really is, I feel, on par with those classic albums. And if anybody who has a monkey's prejudice would just listen to it, they'd be blown away. Um, why are you feeling that some people are, are, are standoffish about that record? Oh, no, I'm talking about people who, like, are just monkeys. Uh, who are not into the monkeys. Yeah, let me put it this way. There's certain songs that you can play. Like, I don't care if you like Kiss and you find someone that doesn't like Kiss. There's like, here, check out this song, right? Or the same with the monkeys. If you don't like the monkeys, well, check this out, right? Yeah. Like, for example, I know that Birth of an Accidental Hipster, when mm-hmm. Good Times came out, I played that for a couple of people and they were like, what is this? Because it was something so different. 
to anything else that was being heard at the time, right? Right. And it just blew their minds because it was not what they thought the monkeys were. Whatever it is, you know, whether it's Mickey Dolan's doing as we go along or something, there's just these certain tracks every so often that come out that transcend the monkeys as a project, right? Well, here, you know, we've said this many, many times. The thing that is the most cool about the monkeys and uh, by proxy, uh, the most cool about the monkeys fans is the diversity of the material. And I think, you know, it's, I mean, it's no mystery that, that, that the monkeys material was largely influenced by the Beatles catalog. Um, and, uh, and the Beatles were breaking all kinds of rules and, you know, exploring country music and exploring uh, rockabilly and exploring psychedelia and exploring all kinds of, you know, and Paul with his love of thirties musicals and, you know, all of that stuff. And so that, that headspace translated directly into the curation of the material that happened in the monkeys. And so subsequently the listeners, the monkeys fans were explode were exposed to you know everything from you know Tin Pan Alley, to, yeah, well everything from Tin Pan Alley, and you got you got songs as different as Papa Jean's Blues to I'm um, uh, to going down, you know mm-hmm. exactly, uh, and and all your straight up the middle of the road pop songs and uh, and your and your porpoise song and your as we go along and your and all of those different aspects and uh, it is the uh, if the you know even if it was, if it was still my dad which it is but uh but if 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 the if the monkeys were all kind of a one note sort of trip and it was all just sort of these pop tunes um uh, I wouldn't go on tour with it right I wouldn't want to do it uh even if it was my dad you know uh, because uh I continue to want to go out and, and do those shows because of the of the wide range of material so when you talk about something like hipster uh uh it's uh, uh it's just a continuation of 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 that idea mm-hmm. and uh you know when uh uh when i built those uh background vocals um because it was uh, essentially me and nez uh, here in my in, in my apartment, right in the room that I'm sitting in right now, that built all those vocals and uh, sent them back to Adam, rest his soul. Those vocal parts that we built, I sent Adam back a uh, a, a mix of where I thought everything should sit. He including and including some kind of some uh, specialty EQs and the use of some certain delays and and uh, you know I kind of souped it up and I sent that back to him. He used it verbatim. That's, you know, so the mix that you hear on the record is pretty much my my mix or at least my inspire inspiration, mm-hmm. which I was very uh, flattered that he that that he thought it was cool enough to to maintain that approach. He said, oh, yeah, that's the way it should be. I'm going to do that. So there you go. Um, and, it, you know, it's got a big rock and roll solo and it's mm-hmm. and it, and it sounds, you know, the the it's got got thundering guitars and it's got heavy drums and and rightly so. So why not? And I uh, and 
and to segue a little bit, I, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely going to explore those areas when it comes to doing this Dolan Sings Nesmith. Nothing's, nothing's out of bounds because I believe that the typical monkeys listener is going to appreciate that. They're going to go, they're going to want to go from, you know, a, a soft little teeny stripped down approach to a gargantuan thunder rock song and every, and, and, and all the, all the areas in between. Well, speaking of thunder rock, uh-huh. oh uh, boy, I here's, did, here's, I did, I did to do that. I want to play some of, since we've mentioned it a few times, the birth of an accidental hipster in which you, Christian Nesmith, are going to take center stage and do your little showpiece for everybody on this solo. So let's listen to that right now off of Mike and Mickey Live. And if I can make it home by Tuesday fantastic moment i know that we saw the last show up in st louis and uh that was a moment that i saw your dad kind of like actually take his hands and like go take it away you know and at that moment and everybody was like looking at you and the whole band was like it's christian's moment to shine (laughs) and and the and the, the audience gave you love man it was fantastic I'm a I'm a hard rocker from way back. That's you know the, my my first loves are Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith and Rush and Van Halen and Kiss and you know that so it's the big loud guitars. So, um, uh, and I wish I had composed that solo. My you know the way I do the solos is 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 pretty much an homage to the to the way it was done on the record. And I don't I don't know who the original player was who did that, but um, but it was a good solo. So I, uh, you know, I just copped it and sort of made it my own and, and, uh, but yeah, that, uh, like I said, I've always been sort of a guitar hero, uh, you know, devil horns (laughs) sort of Mm -hmm. rocker, you know. But it's got to feel good in that moment when everybody's just on their feet and you like, you know, you nailed it and everybody's supporting you. It's so fantastic. 
Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Nez gave me a, a little piece of advice uh, uh, or a little, I don't know, cautionary anecdote, if you will, or or bumper stickerism. He said, if you hear the yays, you'll hear the boos. <laughs> and, it's true uh, you know, that. And I can, I can, I can see where where some of that aspect is is. Uh, sort of safeguarding and stay out of it and just stay in your art. Um, but I also think that there's a, there's a little bit of cynicism to that because, uh, you know, the yays are a part of what makes the live experience the live experience. Mm -hmm. I and my fellow musicians walk onto that stage uh, to do a job. Mm -hmm. But the audience walks into that room to do a job too. Um, and they want to do their job, and their job is to scream and yell and enjoy the music, to really just have a blast and and send that energy up into the air. It's the same same thing as when you go to uh, any large crowd, sports or church, even you know, church even yes, um, and 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 to have that that uh, collective mind putting that positive energy into the air for the for one common purpose whether it be uh, uh, to 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 celebrate uh uh your your faith or to celebrate the home run or to celebrate that guitar hero solo um that's all 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 part of it so uh I've always, you know, as I said, I've I've been a hard rock fan, so that that kind of of uh, playing and that kind of involvement between musician and and audience, which is you know kind of unlike, you know, what a, a lounge piano, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> um, uh, uh, or you know, a solo classical acoustic guitar performance, uh, different trip. Um, but that doesn't mean that the energy is not there. It's just put forth a different way. But in the in in the rock and roll context, we're all out there to yell and scream and stomp our feet and have a great time. Um, uh, and and I've been doing that my whole life in one way or another. Um, and it is a great feeling. Um, but it is uh, it's a great feeling because it's reciprocal. Uh, it. it you know, you, I, I, I play a, a soaring solo and you guys cheer and I go, yeah. So I play even better and you guys cheer and I go, all right. And I jump up and down and you guys cheer, you know, and that's what happens. And we all have a really great time, uh, time doing that. So, um, uh, yeah, it must be nice. It is nice. Of course it's nice. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. a lot of fun. It's always great when you see a performer feed, off the audience and vice versa. I think back to uh, Peter Tork. <laughs> mm. This just makes me smile. He he knew we were in the front, and he started doing his Jimi Hendrix slash Gene Simmons thing with the tongue. Oh, we screamed, oh. so he did it more. We screamed, yeah. so he did it more. And it, like, it just drove everybody crazy in laughter and love and all that frenetic coolness. 
And then uh, at one point he took flowers and was chewing them up. And as he was singing, he would spit little chunks of flour out every so often like a confetti dispenser. He was so fantastic. Uh, just uh, he, he would make uh, a show out of just about anything. And that was one of the great things about the monkeys and their training from an improvisational background. Like we were talking about Mickey inhabiting a song, right? Is that even Mike... Ornez, you know, whenever he does a song, there's there's times you'll listen to him do songs, and he's not going to do it the same way twice necessarily. No. no. And uh, because each time he's singing the song, it may be coming from a different perspective, even from the time he wrote it. So, I guess to kind of tie it together, it's going to be interesting to hear the approaches that Mickey will find. Right. Well, and, and, and uh, you know, one thing that can definitely be said about Nez is that he, he definitely doesn't want to be stuck in the same place uh, artistically. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the song Grand Ennui is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. I think, it's, I think it, there's been, what, six or seven official, like of official releases of that song in one way or another between a demo and an early recording and a first national band and live at the palais and uh and uh movies of the mind and mike and mickey and live at the troubadour you know and and every single one of those oh that's not on mike and mickey is it um but every single one of the of the releases has had a different approach which he wanted to happen it's like okay let's not do it the same way we did it before that's one way to stay out of the grand ennui right exactly exactly <laughs> but at the same time you know i'm i'm also a huge fan of 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 uh getting a solo or getting a part uh right um uh, when when your song is kind of just sort of a, a an earthy blues song uh such as Grand Ennui, uh, it can be uh, re-realized in a, in a number of different ways over the course of the entertainer's uh, life. Uh, but the example to the opposite of that uh, that I can come up with right away is Rush's Tom Sawyer. Mm. And it was a specific uh, quote from Neil Peart, also Rest of Soul, uh, that... Uh, he was asked, do you ever get bored playing those songs? You know, you're going to have to play Tom Sawyer at every concert from now to the end of your, end of your career. And it's don't, doesn't that drive you crazy? And he says, no, because Tom Sawyer is hard to play. That's a brutal song. And so when I get up there and I kill it and get it right, ain't nothing better. It's just like, you know, that's, that's the, that's what we live for. Uh, and I, you know, again, in songs that for bands like Rush or 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 songs that are more complex that way, the 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 goal is to be able to hit those those great uh, musical passages that were constructed and composed originally, and rep- re-represent them live just as you did in the studio, and that I think also is just as important. Yeah, well, when you think about it, the piece that you write or the piece that you perform is the, it's kind of like the prize fighter you have to battle every time you do it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, you you like walk in its shadow, but you also have to nail it, right? So, you know. Well, again, it it depends on the type of tune. Even with with a, a song that is 
a simpler song to play mm-hmm. uh, uh, just in its construction, say. Um, copying a groove on something that is that is uh, you know that is relatively simple, but the groove has got to be deep. Um, and that, that, that affects your, your fingers and your body and your mind and your heart and the way you dance on stage and the way you swing your arm. And just to cop that one sort of, you know, you might be sitting there strumming one chord and the, the three, four, five, six of you will be sitting there strumming one chord. I'm, look at James Brown. Right. You know, the old, uh, the old joke of somebody auditioning for the James Brown band is, uh, can you play C9? The guy says, Yeah. All night long, <laughs> right? And so to sit there and you look at, the, at those great funk players and those great blues players and somebody that'll just set up this one chord groove, if you're not, if you're not hooked in, the rest of us know it. Yeah. <laughs> and the audience knows it. Players, yeah. So um, there's all sorts of ways of really tapping into what is magical about uh, making music. And it can be improvisational, and it can be uh, part of the, the groove, and it can be part of the, the complex re-representation of this, uh, of this amazing part that you've got to sit there and work your brains out just to get it to happen on stage. All of that is legitimate. There are, and, and I, hear, I hear a lot of people uh, – uh, a lot of musicians take counter arguments uh, and and stick to those stances. Um, I know one person who doesn't like Rush, and that person uh, uh, does like the Rolling Stones, and so much to the degree that 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 person uh, says uh, uh, that Rush sucks. Now I don't know what <laughs> what person in their right mind would, would say that um, that the musicianship and the dedication and the soul and the and the and the love that 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 band has put in could ever, ever say they suck uh, versus the Rolling Stones. You know what are you talking about? On the other side of that is if all you can play is just what was written, uh, you're missing so much of it. It's somewhere in between, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, uh, there's a new T-Rex tribute album coming out, and Bono's on it, and Edge, and Elton John, and they're doing Bang a Gong, right? Which there's that video of Elton John playing Bang a Gong. Exactly. With- so it's kind of like a throwback. But, like, I think of Bang a Gong, and you could say this also about the Kinks' You Really Got Me and Van Halen's You Really Got Me. Sure. There's the... T-Rex's bang a gong and then there's the power station's bang a gong. They're mm-hmm. almost two completely different songs. Very much so. I love uh, But well, they that, both work. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, lo- I that's one of the things I loved about Van Halen is that they were not afraid to do covers. Um great covers. As, as unique and special and let, let you take for instance uh uh Where Have All the Good Times Gone, mm-hmm. you know, um which is a cover of a cover. Yes. Right, you know, you know, uh, they, you know, it was a, it's a, it's a Kinks tune, but Bowie did it, and I think that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that uh, that uh, Van Halen were certainly was taken it from the the Pinups album. Yeah, yeah, Bowie's Pinup album. 
Well, in closing, I just want to say that there is a lesson in what you said today that I'm going to put out there. Hmm. Uh, you talked about how you got to where you are in this project and within the monkeys organization and all that. You know, you started out mixing this, you mixed that, you did that, you arranged this background vocal, you did that, and then now you're at the point where you're in a, the producer's seat, right? Right. So I've always tried to tell people the best way to get a job is to do the job. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So there's a little lesson that can be learned there. So life lessons. Again, life coaching with Christian and Ken. <laughs> so, But I just wanted to kind of put a fine line underneath that for folks that uh, if it's something you love and want to do, just try to do it. You know, get in there and bake bread like Cersei. Right. And tempt Ken. That's a pretty astute observation, and and what what you also omitted in 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 the arc of my involvement is I just started out as a guitar player. That's you right. Know? And it was very nice for 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 Nez to say when uh, when he, he he came back around and said, yeah, I'll you know I'll go out. Uh, let's bring let's bring my son. He's a great player. Um, and uh, next thing you know, I'm out there playing second guitar along with along with Wayne. Um, and uh, and so and then they asked me about the about the back, background vocals and then they asked me about mixing the record and then they uh, now now I'm producing a record for Mickey, um, but I I think the reason why I bring up that arc and and to your point is uh, to get the job you got to do the job. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're doing something that is in your wheelhouse don't overreach you may be completely capable of producing the record but just you know if they ask you to play guitar if they ask you to swing a tambourine you know swing the tambourine show up at least you're there getting paid part of the you're on stage uh and whatever the whatever the direct analogy to is to that uh um you know, if they ask you to be, a, you know, third assistant coach on the football team, be third assistant coach, you know. Exactly. I was watching a uh, video with Todd McFarlane, who is a comic book artist and started his own company. And just a guy who's made a name for himself in that industry. And he he said that a lot of people will present pages of artwork to DC or Marvel or whatever comic book company, and they will have wrote the story, they will have uh, drew the, the artwork, inked the artwork, colored the artwork, and penciled the artwork, but the problem with that might be that you're a lousy letterer, mm. or you're a lousy colorist. So even if you're a great letterer, you want to show people what you can do in stages, because like they might go this guy's not a good writer he's not a good penciler he's not a good colorist but damn look at his lettering so they might not be able to see what you can excel at so right getting your foot in the door get find something you can excel at and make sure people see that and to that end in my own experience i'm a better engineer and mixer uh uh now than i was seven years ago mm-hmm I know more approaches. I have I have a more discerning ear. I uh, I have uh, I have access to better gear. Uh, all kinds of things that are that are that are facilitating uh, that. Oh, and be, but we got to talk about one one other thing before we go. Sure, prog rock, dude. <laughs> We're going to do an entire show on prog rock. As uh-huh. Matter of fact, I have a killer joke that I'm saving for when we do that. We're going to do that over on the Pop with Ken 
show. So okay. we'll be doing that. But uh, that's another episode. And I also want to have you on the podcast, one of the other shows I do, where we talk about Kiss. I want to talk about your Kiss story. I didn't say Kistry. That's trademarked. But da, da, your da, Kiss da, da, story. Da, 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 da. So, yeah. Da, 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 da. Trademark. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> but we will have you over on those shows as well. So, so look forward to a conversation about prog rock with me and Christian Nesmith and for his story. Because Cersei and I just finished a prog rock record, so we want to talk about that. Oh, fantastic. That's you didn't know that? Great. No, I did not know you were Are working you on Are you kidding? The last six record. months, that's what we've been doing. We've made a full-on prog rock record. That is fantastic. This is oh man. Awesome. I mean, it, it, it's it's an hour long. There's only seven songs on it. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's my joke. Okay, here's my joke. Are you ready? Okay. You'll never see an album called "Now That's What I Call Prog Rock" because it would be eight songs long, as opposed to the thirty compilations right, you know right. that they put out. <laughs> now right, that's right. what I call prog rock. Absolutely. But... <laughs> well, that's exactly. Exactly. What it's, it's 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 53 minutes, and it's there's only seven songs on it. So well, there you go. That's going to be fantastic. So we look yeah, forward it, to letting people know about that when it comes out. So. It's it's pretty much almost done. We're just kind of kicking around the artwork. So I definitely want to come back and talk on talk more about that because it's uh, it it's big. It's not the only thing. The, no, Dolan sings Nesmith is not the only thing going on in my life. Oh, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, what's your uh, social media links and stuff like that? Your www's and all. My uh, website is not kind of jumping, um, and uh, I am on Facebook. I want everybody to be careful about Facebook uh, because it's so full of junk right now. Uh, but uh, I'm over there, and uh, uh, you know, you just find me by my name, Christian Nesmith. I'm the only only one out there i believe um and that's that's usually where i stay mostly in contact is on facebook i'm not really an instagrammer because i don't take a lot of, a lot of pictures uh and i'm not really a twitterer because i like to speak in longer longer than 147 characters so mm-hmm. and of course there is www.cerselink.com yep. which yep. will have links to the band camp and ways you can buy things and right. support you guys and be part of everything so yeah there's a, a you know Cersei and I have what 10 10 titles together I've got two solo records all out there all having uh, uh, available to be had mhm so check out CerseLink.com and CerseLink.BandCamp.com for all of your Christian and Cersei needs, right? Yep. Well, thank you for coming on the show and giving us a little peek into some of the planning of 7A's upcoming release, Dolan's Sings. Dolan's Sings Nesmith. <laughs> Get you a job as an announcer here. Plus, you'll, you'll have to... I always wanted to do VO. <laughs> really yeah it's it, it's a fun gig if you can get it again that's one of those things that you got to do it to get into it so yeah i i don't know anybody and and those those people are scrapping hard for those gigs right, so right well our own tim powers and our david ghosty wills do a lot of that stuff so As a matter of fact david ghosty wills who's on zilch staff here he did uh speaking of kiss in the episode of celebrity deathmatch with insync versus kiss he got to be peter chris which was like a thrilling dream of a lifetime for him so yeah, did he talk in that kind of? Well, I I talk, I talk more like Ace Freely when I talk than if I did a New Yorker because I was, you know, Ace was just kind of manic and and still talk. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, there you go. All right. Well, I want to thank you for being on Zilch today. Thank you for giving us a peek into the planning stages of this. Did you and like just, my it was... impersonation? Come on. Yes, okay. the, the Ace Fraley impersonation was great. Oh, are you correcting on my? Um, correcting me on? I have to because here's the man himself. We are rolling, ladies and gentlemen. We have Ace Fraley. It's Fraley, not Freely. Oh well, there you go, Fraley. It is. There you go, Neil Peart. Yeah, I always said Pert, and then I, I found as out. Did I, I yeah. found out. I found out. All right. Well, we'll see you all in the next episode of Zilch. We we await more info, and we look forward to the prog rock. What's the name of the album? Cosmologica. Cosmologica. Isn't that a great prog rock name? I, I dig it. I'm, <laughs> I'm hip. All right. Well, we'll see you. I want we'll, to go. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. We'll see you all in the next episode of Zilch, your Thanks, podcast Kat. full of monkeys. Say, see you, Christian. See you, Christian. There you go. It's the old uh, George Burns Gracie. Uh, oh, yes, I know it. I'm hip. Good night, Gracie. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.